0: And uh, this is Heloise Emden. This is the second CI podcast. Today, we're going to be considering the challenges of implementing large consortium projects uh, with multiple partners. And today, I'm talking to Stephanie Pinnell, who's an international research coordinator for several um, such funded projects. Stephanie, over to you. Please introduce yourself to us. Hi, Heloise. Thanks
1: so much for having me. I was project coordinator with Carleton University, as you mentioned, working on a couple of very large international projects that were quite different from one another. One of them included organizing hosting scholars at Carleton University, PhD level scholars. So it involved a lot of logistics around obtaining visas, accommodation, and organizing programming, whereas the other program was more about participatory research in countries in East Africa and the Middle East, and so it involved a lot of transferring funds for individuals working out in the field, either through subawards or individual consultant contracts. So, so that is a quick overview.
0: Yeah, yeah. So lots of transactions, but also interactions with, uh, with research participants and all the, the PhD students who were coming. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. A lot
1: of communication. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So um, if you consider these projects that you're working on, um, which are externally funded, imagine they were nonprofit organizations and you were an employee in that non-profit organization and you were having to make a contribution and the pi was the ceo of this of this organization what do you think how how would you describe your role what 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 role would you be f- fulfilling i'm thinking of it this way because to give an organizational perspective of the, of the 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 role you're taking right
1: um well i was essentially the main interface between the scholars um, and, and the PI for the most part. So I was the source of information between the two people, um, answering all questions about scholars' expectations, um, and then really setting up the to-do list all the things that needed to be achieved prior to the scholar arriving at Carleton or prior to um, developing a contract with a consultant overseas, uh, and then executing that. So I guess it was a very administrative function, um, but communication being such a key role and uh, keeping everybody kind of organized and uh, keeping the flow of information going.
0: Yeah. So, from if if this were an NGO, I would imagine you would be program director or yeah, chief liaison person um, in in, yeah. in in the project. There's
1: also a lot, a lot, way more than I had expected. Uh, budget monitoring. Budget so monitoring. Mm-hmm. Helping to organize the budget at the outset, and then also monitoring how funds were spent over the course of time and making adjustments and then uh, also being kind of the interface between the consultant or the scholar and the um, research financial services. Mm -hmm. So ensuring that all the accounting and documentation requirements were met kind of from the onset and trying to really communicate that information to the individuals in the East African context or West African across Africa, the context there, um, and making sure that the needs of Carlton were met, the, the accounting needs. And
0: accountability. Yeah. Explain a bit about the role that you, that you played in, in accountability to the funders.
1: Right. So it was my role to review the prime agreement or the concept note or whatever it was, both the concept note and the prime agreement of the with, with the funders and ensure that we were following all the requirements set out by the funders while also ensuring we were meeting our goals set out in the original uh, concept note.
0: And how regularly were you communicating with the the principal investigator, the head of the the project?
1: So I think it really depends. Um, For example, with the Queen Elizabeth Scholarship Program, there was a lot... uh, It was kind of a constantly evolving program that was continually building on itself based on prior experience. And so the role of the principal investigator was quite involved um and the principal investigator and i would meet regularly like on a weekly basis Mm. that that seemed to be optimal for um for keeping the project moving forward and setting goals um and just ensuring that everything was on track whereas with the other the the other project the refugee-led organization project um that one is a little bit less frequent in terms of actual meetings, um, but constant communication through email. Mm-hmm.
0: And um, I think I, 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 if I remember correctly, the the both of these projects have their own governing structures, right? So you weren't just communicating with the PI, but you also were facilitating or taking responsibility in a sort of uh project committee is that correct yeah
1: absolutely yeah so with the queen elizabeth pro- project specifically there were two so there are two queen elizabeth projects the west africa and then the advanced scholars project and with each of those there was a governing committee made up of staff and faculty from across carlton and so yeah my role involved communicating with each of those members Um, and following up, so for example, if one of the members had taken on a specific task, just working with them to help complete that specific task, um, collecting in-kind hours, um, and just keeping the entire committee up to date. With the other project, the refugee-led organization project, that one, is structured a bit differently so in it involves more communication with um consultants that are hired out uh, working in the field in um, east africa and in the middle east and it involves a lot of communication with those individuals either as a group or um or as individuals
0: so in in both those projects you were Kind of breaking new ground in that you were working with new institutions, sometimes even institutions that, or maybe consultants who weren't in any sort of formal setting. I'm, I'm thinking especially about researchers. researchers with whom you had to set up uh, uh, contractual arrangements to even exchange or 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 to send money into um, into into areas where financial systems are less d- uh, developed. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about, um, you know, the, I almost say the innovation, the organizational innovation you were involved in in helping forge those linkages.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it really demonstrated the need for collaboration between uh, a project coordinator type person, um, research financial services, and also accounts payable. We, you know, in in a lot of respects, we work as a a cohesive group in order to ensure that funds are transferred and all the accounting details are taken care of. Um, So what we did early on in the project is meet with RFS and Accounts Payable to decide how Carlton can pay people in uh, different c- scenarios other than through the standard wired transfer from Western Union. Um, when I guess when we're working with countries in East Africa, there are a lot of people relying on different forms of payment, such as e-wallets or bank transfers, um, and maybe Carlton is not quite set up to work in those environments. Um, so we worked with um, Andrea Fowler and we worked with Seamus Matchett to try to develop ways that would allow us to be a little bit more flexible. And we, in the end, we were able to come up with um, a Western Union counter pickup option so that individuals, in the instance where an individual doesn't have access to a bank account because perhaps they have some... Uh, displacement issues or uh, a refugee status that prohibits them from having a bank account, they are able to go and pick up their fees, their their consulting fee, uh, directly at the Western Union counter. And ideally, in the next couple of years, Carlton will be able to um, incorporate other systems that will allow this type of flexibility and innovation, really
0: i think that's incredibly innovative because I think that uh that's uh, finding um ways to to pay people who were in the field um in a way that was uh, that that kept the money flowing but uh, but also made them accountable um in the sense that we had immediate bank transaction details and so on to keep uh records and yeah. account for those project finance that's very interesting.
1: And also to allow the this type of participatory research happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, otherwise, how are we able to, to do this type of research mm-hmm. where the people on the ground in their maybe rural communities are actually doing the work themselves?
0: But it also sounds like rather transaction heavy activity so i mean i couldn't imagine if the pi were to have to do this on their own that they would have the time to to interact with these minutiae can you possibly speak to how much of your time was involved out of you know in a in a let's say month to month how much time of yours was involved in you know, overseeing the, uh, the, the this transaction taking place, the money being approved, sent, um, received, etc. Uh-huh. Was that very
1: time-consuming? Yes, it was very time-consuming. Um, just to keep track of everything and ensure that there's follow-up because these types of wire transactions don't always go smoothly. There can be lots of little issues along the way, and each time there's a lot of follow-up necessary. So certainly, I mean, it took at least at least 40 hours a month working on these types of details um, for that one particular project, just that one project. Um, required that type of time commitment. And again, a lot of it was um, that time-consuming following up with various people about how do I write this contract, is this part correct, Um, you know, what type of banking situation do you have, and then going back to accounts payable to ensure that we can, all the paperwork is correct, those small little details that um, can add up to a ton of time.
0: Right, and and maybe you can, without compromising uh, any individuals, explain, you know, give an example of something that would really hold up a payment like that.
1: I think that there can be a lot of issues outside of the control of the university. Mm. Um, So from what I understand, uh, once the funds are transferred, uh, they, ca- they go to Western Union and then they can be transferred to various banks which mm. have their own rules and regulations I mean it's outside of Canada right so mm. there are lots of little spots where things can get held up there um, and that means that an individual will not get paid and then they'll reach out to ask questions and then the follow up then I follow up with whoever is involved and then they have to follow up with various banks. I can so, see
0: this being kind yeah. of continuous, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. yeah, very interesting. So, you know, when I listen to you speak, it sounds like uh this work can be rather invisible. Um can you undertake uh, can you uh, can you describe any other undertakings that uh that you would say um if a project uh, were to get started and you were to want to give advice to the principal investigator. What issues to consider um, They that they need to um, be aware of and uh, as such, you know, account for or make possible the appointment of a project coordinator like yourself funded by the grant. You know, under what conditions would you say that grant coordinator is absolutely necessary for the uh, successful implementation of the project?
1: Mm-hmm. Definitely if there are going to be a lot of small transactions that might be somewhat complicated, then that is one of the more time-consuming aspects. Um, other aspects that can be time-consuming are um, if Visas, letters of invitations need to be drafted or letters of award need to be drafted. Um, Even things like if you have multiple individuals that will be visiting in an international scholarship program, then just being there to support the individuals and Mm -hmm. provide them information. I mean, even though they are these particular people were PhD PhD level, some of them hadn't traveled very extensively. And so coming all the way to Canada can be quite the culture shock.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, So helping them uh, budget accordingly, recognizing that accommodation costs are so much more expensive Mm -hmm. in Ottawa than maybe other places and budgeting for that accordingly. And then even just finding... The grocery store that you're going to go to, oh, well, or yeah. get a bus pass, yes, or yes. where you're going to live.
0: Yes, yes. So, so actually being um, almost like uh, hosting them, being being the the individual who takes on their those interpersonal responsibilities.
1: Absolutely, mm-hmm. and I think too that you know as much as the university um, is less hierarchical than maybe in in some other circumstances it might be that having a project coordinator who is you know not a professor status can allow a an individual to speak a little bit more freely and feel a little bit more relaxed in the person's presence um and you know if they are having issues then it might help them feel a little bit more comfortable Mm -hmm. expressing those and asking questions
0: Well, you've spoken very broadly about, you know, a lot of uh, challenges that um, a project like this, a a large international project like this encounters. Are there any other challenges uh, or constraints that you face that you would like to share uh, some nuggets of wisdom on uh, to prepare others who are, you know, thinking of getting involved in big projects? or uh, project coordinators who, who would manage um, or who are managing these large projects. Anything else you can think of?
1: Um, I, might, I might, there are two things. One, I would say that reporting co- requirements can sometimes be quite onerous. So depending on the funder, um, having a project coordinator there to help complete those reporting requirements can be uh, very, very helpful. <laughs> Um, and then the other point would be that I had such a great time coordinating <laughs> these projects. It was really such a valuable experience um, meeting all the diverse people from various countries and various um, academic backgrounds. It, it's totally changed, changed my life, really, to, without being you know, too dramatic. Wow. And I understand that you've even
0: um, uh, collaborated with one one of the PIs on writing a, a, a journal
1: article. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. This is based on the uh, Queen Elizabeth Scholarship Project, which was a four-year project hosting, um, like I said, the PhD scholars in cohorts. Um, so, yeah, we're working together now to write an article of that that
0: experience. That's incredible. How many uh, how many scholars did you host in that uh, project?
1: Through the scholarship, we hosted 44. We were five outgoing and the remainder were incoming scholars. That's
0: incredible. Incoming yes. from from Africa, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Incoming from Ghana, Malawi and Tanzania.
0: Right, right. So, lots of personal growth stories, lots of uh, networking stories to tell and yeah, and exactly. certainly a project implementation knowledge to share yeah yeah,
1: yeah yeah
0: yeah so once once we have that article we certainly would like to post a link uh, to it um next to this podcast so please let us know when that is available
1: for
0: sure so going back to the nonprofit uh, analogy would you think that a, a pro- uh, that an ngo like this that would manage projects like this do you think it's sustainable with the resources that uh, that we have Um, you know, if you have research income and you have uh, a CEO and your CEO, which is the principal investigator, is making possible uh, the implementation of the project. And you were the key key, or the the coordinator is the key liaison with all those project components, project partners, funders, you know is this sustainable can it, can it is it is it a workable organizational model
1: um i i mean i think it could be without having very much experience in this in that sphere i think it could be i don't think it would be a two man show necessarily uh because I wouldn't want to downplay the role that research financial services played or even that accounts payable played mm-hmm. in facilitating this experience. And in addition, specifically with the Queen Elizabeth Scholarship Project and also with the refugee-led organization, there are a lot of resources that Carleton to draw on. Um, library services, uh, just the expertise from faculty who lent their time to help host the workshops. This was all invaluable information that, um, that we had. So it really enriched both, both of the projects.
0: But ultimately, you as a coordinator with a linchpin in, in, in well, providing that level of coordination.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, if I hadn't been there to reach out to those people and request that they mm. do these things, and, um, then yeah, this wouldn't wouldn't have happened. Well, that was a very illuminating
0: discussion, Stephanie. I, I really thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to share your knowledge, your experience, and and even the um, the the positive um, life experience that you got out of that um and well we wish you well on your adventures into uh into the field of telecommunications and we we hope to hear from you and we'll definitely post the link when you send us your article
1: great
0: thanks so much heloise this was a lot of fun thanks stephanie Bye. bye